everyone. Welcome back to the Bold and Virtuous podcast. I'm your host, Denisa, and I am so excited for this episode, as I am excited for every episode. Um, So today, we're going to talk about the amazing and exciting topic of relationships and dating, something that I know many people love talking about, listening about, learning about, and that in itself is such a wonderful, positive thing because, you know, getting married is not exactly something that we do overnight or should do overnight. Um, And it's, it's certainly not a decision that we should take overnight either. So let's talk about the importance of the season of preparation before marriage and what it is that we need to do as as women, you know, I mean, this technically sort of applies to men as well, but I am going to talk about the perspective of the women in particular. So first of all, um, I do have a blog post on this topic as well. So if you want to look deeper into this with me, then you can check out the link in the description. So basically, first of all, what is what do I what do I mean when I say the preparation stage? So a lot of women will begin dating because, you know, they are forced, maybe not forced, but (laughs) hopefully not forced, but um, they are kind of pressured into it a little bit by the world, by their friends, even by their family sometimes, or just by their the the season of their life. For example, if you are someone who is a little bit older, who you're in your late 20s or early 30s and you've never dated anyone, um, you may feel this pressure from, you know, the kind of average idea of what the world says is normal to need to, oh goodness, I should go in you know, find a date because I've, I've never dated before. Um, but if the world didn't have those morales and those ideas, then you probably, you might think, oh, it doesn't matter that much to me. So we do, we do get kind of pushed into dating by various, various things. Um, but of course, there is also just pure desire. Um, there is desire because a lot of us want someone to have next to us. We want companionship and we want someone to love and someone to love us. You know, who 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 would have love be offered to them and have them say, oh, no, thank you. I'm good. I'm good on my own. I don't need any love. <laughs> because if that's the case, then that would suggest we don't need Jesus. It would suggest we don't need God. And that's what makes God so popular, let's admit. (laughs) It's because he loves us. It's because we find our source of love in him. And we are created. We are created with that gap in us, that, that gap that only him and his love can fulfill. So let's say that we, you have the desire to date. You are the right age, because of course, this doesn't apply to anyone who is underage, but your heart is in marriage and you take that seriously, which is wonderful, as we should, um, but you don't know where to begin. So that's kind of what I want to talk about more today or dive deeper into. So first of all, what is the difference between dating for the sake of dating and dating for marriage. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of women that are already married could probably answer this very easily, even if they aren't Christians, actually. Because, you know, dating for the sake of just having someone next to you will, will have you behave and expect 
you know, a very different sort of relationship than someone who wants to marry that person, someone who wants to commit to them. And of course, someone who is actually thinking of a future with this person. As Christian women, we need to make sure that the reason that we are dating has a real purpose for the future. You know, um, when I was younger, I did I did date and I dated more, you know, I was kind of more in the first column. I, I dated for the sake of dating. I dated because all of my friends were dating. And like I said, we get pressured into doing it, don't we, um, by society. And I felt that I was um, 18 uh, when I had my first boyfriend and I was just like, oh, um, everyone has a boyfriend. Everyone knows someone. So I should find someone too. <laughs> and, and I did. And it was, it was a quick relationship. But the idea was that I was in it just because I wanted to say that I had a boyfriend, just because I wanted to experience going on a date. We only dated for like, I don't know, um, a couple of months. But the the point is that I had no intention whatsoever of marrying this guy. And I do feel really bad saying this now because at the time he was he was so committed to me and he was so like, you know, talking about, oh, a year or two years ahead and all of this stuff. And he was excited about making plans with me. And I was just looking at him like, you know, deep down knowing, you know, and thinking, dude, I'm sorry, but I'm not sticking around that long. I just... I just wanted to experience dating. And um, like I said, it, it, it makes me feel very bad now. And I did repent for that because I realized that I did it only to please myself and to be able to tick a box in, in society and in the world. But there, you know, I, I didn't go in considering that guy's feelings, considering his heart and considering the fact that I, I, I put him in something that he was completely and totally committed to and something that I pulled out quite easily out of, but he was truly and completely heartbroken. And to him, he, he looked at me like, what? You're breaking up with me. I don't understand why. I don't get how, where this has come from. I mean, we have our issues, but, you know, I, I never thought that this would happen. He was just so blindsided. And now that feels really malicious, you know, and I've realized that it was, it was very, you know, wrong for me to do that. So I never, ever um, recommend to anyone to date for the sake of dating because you will end up hurting another soul, another heart just for the sake of pleasing some expectations. And at the end of the day, yeah, sure, you, you, you learn and you experience, but was it worth it? Honestly, no. You know, I, I look back and I think I wished, I wish that I didn't. I wish that I didn't give him all of my, all of my firsts, you know? I mean, obviously we never, we were never intimate, but uh, I, I, I wish that I didn't, you know, give him my my very first date or the very first time I held hands with a guy. All of those things. I just, I wish that I had saved that for someone who actually I did have a future with, like, you know, i.e. my husband. <laughs> um, so I do... I do want to discourage anyone, any young girl or, or older, whatever age you are, who is kind of just thinking, oh man, this guy is really nice. This guy is, is wonderful. Um, 
I know he's not my husband, but he really likes me and I really like the idea of being liked. So why don't I just date him for a while? It's it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt anyone, right? Well, actually, it will. Um, you know, it's and let's be honest, we find ourselves in those situations a lot, especially as Christian women, where you know, we, we can find guys who come along and kind of, you know, flirt with us and uh, try and tempt us into starting a relationship. And um, sometimes you may think, oh, no, it's not like that with him. He is really nice. He is sincere and he is honest. And yes, he may not be tempting you uh, consciously. And obviously, if he was tempting you consciously, I don't think you would be attracted to him anyway. But at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, it is still the enemy at work, you know, because he knows your values, he knows your morals, and he knows what it is that is important to you as a Christian woman, that purity is important, that marriage is something that really matters, and that you strive for. And more importantly, he knows that you want God to be in the center of the relationship. So what will he do? He will go and try and taint it. He will try and take all of those values, all of those morals, and try and turn them into something that, oh, maybe it's not that big of a deal if I date someone who is not Christian. Or, oh, maybe maybe I can just date for a while without, you know, marrying him. Maybe we can just sleep together. It won't be a big deal. But all of those things have a consequence and they do not, they should not be taken um, lightly, of course. And, you know, it says, and I'm going to bring some scripture in here because I don't want you to think that all of this is coming just from me. So in the Bible, it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, it says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Um, it is quite it is quite an intense verse, but this this speaks directly to what I'm saying as to why we shouldn't date and especially not marry um, into relationships that are, you know, where our partners are not saved. Um, the reason is because it's like it's like this verse beautifully says, what kind of partnership, what kind of relationship can righteousness have with lawlessness? If you are constantly striving for righteousness, you're constantly striving to obey the commandments of the Lord, whereas he has absolutely no interest in that, has absolutely nothing to do with the law, nothing to do with righteousness, and if anything, lives a life of sin. How can you join together? How can you be equally yoked it's impossible. So a yoke, for those who aren't aware, is basically a piece of like um, shaped wooden cross piece is, is what it's phrased as. So um, and what they do is they bind it to the necks of like oxen or bulls or even horses sometimes. And it's kind of put just behind like on top of their necks. And it helps them to kind of, it helps the the driver, the guy who has the control over the carriage to lead them where he needs to go. So that's where yoke comes from. So that's why it's so important that when we are yoked to someone, which is marriage, we are yoked to the same level, to the same person who is going in the same direction and who is able to be aiming for the same things. Because if he is aiming uh, for a life of sin and a life of darkness, then how are you going to go towards righteousness and light? Because you are just going to end up 
you know, being uh, pulled into his on onto his side. And of course, there are times when people um, are saved inside. Like after they get married, one spouse is is gets saved, and then the other follows. So that can happen as well. I'm not I'm not denying it. And when it does, it is truly beautiful. Um, but you don't want to, you know, if you're already saved, then that's you can't use the excuse of oh, I'll I'll bring him to Jesus. I'll we'll get married, we'll date, and I'll bring him to Jesus. Listen, you are not responsible for people's souls. I I see way too many girls dating men that have absolutely no potential to be righteous and holy men and especially husbands and yet they date them thinking oh it's fine I will I will save him he will come to God I will I will do it <laughs> and then they date and they date and nothing happens and nothing happens and and the man keeps making all these promises and saying oh yes I will change I will change but the same thing keeps happening over and over again trust me, run, run as fast as you can. I'm sorry. I know that it's hard to hear, especially if you are in this situation. I'm praying for you, but you cannot find the the good in that. You cannot be the one. You know, we always think we're the exception. We always think, oh, I'll be the one to do it. No, no, do not go in with such a risk. Marriage is something that is for life and it should we should never go into marriage with the idea that oh we have an open door of divorce divorce is not biblical especially uh, as it says in the bible the only the only reason you can divorce is adultery other than that when we marry we marry that's it we're we're done we are we are theirs and they are ours Okay, so going forward from that. So once you are, let's say you're dating someone now, let's say they are Christian, and uh, let's say that you don't know, oh, am I mm, I ready to be married? Uh, Let's say that they want to talk to you about it, or they may even have proposed. What makes someone think that they are ready to be married? What, what, shows that, you know, this is a very, very important question and something that I really love uh, answering because I get it. (laughs) I think I have asked myself this question and I've also answered this question uh, a trillion million times and somehow it's, you know, it, it the the answer has changed many many times in my life uh, especially when i was going through my late teens and early 20s it was very easy to change that answer every couple of months um but i really do believe that the lord has brought me to a real place of peace and a a place of wisdom and understanding now where i see what it is and the way that i would answer this question would be um what is it that makes me ready to be married? So first of all, um, the like overall arching answer is that you will never be truly and completely 100% ready. There will always be things to change. Because, you know, preparing for marriage is basically the idea of changing ourselves in order to make sure that when we enter into a relationship, we are that much more loving, that much more forgiving, that much more compassionate, and we can give to the other person that much more. However, marriage is something very, very exceptionally different from singleness, right? We know that. So 
how can we prepare for something that we have never experienced? The only way, for instance, the only way you prepare for a marathon is by running, right? You go and you run, you know, 10K, 10 miles, 20 miles, however long that marathon is, and you go and you run through the woods and whatever, it's a different uh, track, it's a different route, but it's still 10 miles. So you're still able to train your body and you know exactly what the marathon is going to be like. Great, beautiful. Well, that's the problem with marriage. We can't go through it and say, okay, I'm preparing for marriage. So let me go through another marriage to prepare for what it is. <laughs> the only way to prepare is through, you know, through singleness and of course, through our relationship with Jesus. But that's why, that's what I mean by we can never truly and completely be ready because you can't experience the things that you will experience when you're married, you can't experience those things when you're single. Um, and of course, dating, many say that when you are dating, you're preparing for marriage. And that definitely can be seen as one. However, of course, marriage involves, I mean, I believe in a in pure biblical marriage. What does that mean? That means that, um, you know, sexual intimacy, living together, um, you know, sharing finances, all of those things only come into play and become active in your relationship when you are married. I don't, I don't believe in living together before marriage. I don't believe in, you know, um, in sleeping together before marriage. I, I don't believe in any of that because the Lord and the Bible clearly states that we must remain pure and we must remain um, completely devoted to that man, um, to that person, because we are to be one flesh. Um, and, you know, Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. That means that you leave your father and mother once, you know, this doesn't say uh, you can leave her, you can leave your father and mother now, uh, you know, join yourself with this wife. Oh, no, actually, go leave her and then go join yourself, go back to your parents and then join again. You know, it makes no sense. And more importantly, that's why, you know, people say that when you sleep with someone, you create a soul tie, right? Um, and it's the idea of the becoming one flesh, right? Sex is something that really unites man and woman. And it is the physical aspect of becoming one flesh. Whereas the wedding is when you spiritually become one flesh. And doing that means that you have, you have created a, a new one, you know, the, the Lord has taken two and made into one. So it's the same with you. So this is why the Bible, this is what I mean when the Bible says that we shouldn't, you know, do those things outside of marriage, like, you know, living together, sleeping together, all of those things, because you cannot join with more than one person. You can't join with this person for three years, dump them and then go join with another. Your part of you will still be with a person prior to that. The beautiful and wonderful thing is that through Jesus, of course, we can find freedom and the Lord can help us to um, remove those those old people if we've made mistakes or if we were, uh, maybe we weren't saved before and now we've just become saved. The Lord will, will clean you and cleanse you and refresh you and Jesus can completely break those soul ties with the, with the people prior, but 
because men can can have these things too. I'm not just speaking to women here. Um, but of course, the Lord will forgive and redeem you when you come before him, ask him to to break that and repent of it. And repenting means turning from it. So it means that you did it once, repent, and you don't go back and do it again. Jesus said in the Bible so many times to, especially um, to those women that would be seen as adulterers, like that woman that he wrote something on the on the ground for, and everybody always tries to guess what Jesus wrote on the floor. Um, but he said, "Let let the one who was never sinned cast the first stone," and no one cast it because they know that they are sinners. But what does he say to to the woman after he? So he's forgiven her, he's cleansed and refreshed her, he's allowed all of the things, all of the the kind of reputation that she was carrying from her past, from her history, to be removed when all of those priests and all those people that judged her walked away. So that was her kind of redemption, that she was refreshed to, to being someone new. But then he, he went down to her and he said, go and sin no more. So that is exactly what we need to do. If if you have done that, I encourage you to, to come before the Lord in, in humility, to, to repent um, and to receive his forgiveness because he will forgive you. He loves you. Um, but of course, not to take it lightly, you know, not to think that, oh, he forgave me once he can do it again, because doing that will just mean that you are abusing God's love and mercy. And, um, you know, it, it, you, you end up in a very, very difficult and complicated relationship with the Lord and stay away from that. <laughs> but, um, anyway, so let's, let's keep going. So preparing means that you need to make sure that you work on yourself with Jesus and do as much as you can. Like I said, yes, you can't, maybe you can't fully and completely a hundred percent, prepare so-called you know get yourself ready but you know you can work on your character with Jesus you can work on your relationship with the Lord and you can certainly work on your habits you know Uh, don't forget that at the end of the day marriage is also something physical you know we will have to cook for one another we will have to wash each other's clothes we will have to clean the house we will have to do these things and um you know i'm all for you know equality in the marriage uh and i do believe in that however i do think that there still needs to be a somewhat of a of a servantship um mentality in the marriage is servantship a word i think so um but there there does need to be that because it's the idea of learning that we are serving one another. So um, the woman, you know, serves the man and the man will serve the woman also. The difference of it is, and you know, there's this incredible ritual of humility that some people and some churches do on a regular basis actually, but um, there are, you can do this thing at your wedding where you not only uh, take communion, but you wash each other's feet. So, you know, washing washing each other's feet is uh, an incredible ritual that Jesus taught us in the Bible. And doing it on your wedding day is a true testament of humility. And it's a real symbol to show that you are going to serve one another, that you will not only be there for each other in marriage, but you will um, humble yourselves before the other 
that is incredibly, I don't know if you've ever washed somebody's feet, but um, I've done it previously and it is, it is incredibly humbling, but I'm telling you, it is such um, a righteous act. You know, you can really see Jesus fill you afterwards. It's incredible. But you know what's amazing actually? Is I actually always found that having my feet washed by someone was more humbling than actually washing someone else's feet. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, it, it may be different for everybody, but for me, it was it was having my feet washed. It was having sitting up on a chair while this other person was on their knees in front of me. Um, you know, taking my feet and washing them. I'm like, oh my goodness, I felt so uncomfortable. I remember the first time I did it, I was, oh my goodness, I was so uncomfortable and I felt, oh no, no, oh my gosh, who am I that you should do that? No, 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 please stop, please stop. And we think, um, <laughs> we think, oh goodness, uh, I, I can't let you do that, right? And we think that that's humility, but you know what? It is receiving someone's servantship like that and receiving it with a clean and righteous heart that truly takes humility. You know, um, like when Jesus wanted to wash um, Peter's feet in the Bible and and he's like, I'm never letting you wash my feet. No way. And Jesus was like, hey, dude, I need to do this and you're going to let me do this. What did it What did it show? I mean, when Peter responded like that and he said, I'm not letting Jesus do this. It didn't look, it doesn't look like him being humble. I mean, I understand why he did it. Like I said, I felt the same thing when this this woman was, was washing my feet in, in the church. But it's not humility that comes out. It's it's more in the sense of like um, stubbornness, you know, and, and this, this sensation of, no, I am not doing this. So in a way, it actually is pride. Um, but it's it's pride that comes in a different manner that we think, oh no, this isn't pride. This is actually me being humble. Um, but I will I will easily go down and wash someone else's feet. Um, so I'm I'm curious. I I I recommend you to to find a church who does these this washing of the feet um, on a regular basis and join them or even do it in your own home, you know, pray and of course do it with Jesus. Don't just do it randomly, but do it with the Lord, read from the scripture, take communion and wash your family's feet or your, your husband if you are married already or if you're dating someone, you know, I encourage you to take your, your boyfriend and Wash his feet. See, how is it? What is it that you feel in those moments? And it is just as important to pay attention to how you feel when you're washing his feet, but also when he's washing yours. Um, you know, what exactly do you kind of get from each other? I think that that is an incredible, it says a lot about the relationship. But of course, it teaches us to understand humility and to understand what it takes to be in marriage with Jesus. Because we, in, in marriage, we are not only serving one another, but we're serving each other in Christ. Let's not forget the ultimate triangle, you know, of the, of the word of God that he puts over marriage. It's the triangle, right, is uh, at the top, it's God, then we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So they are one. They're all together. They're the same. But another triangle I don't know if you've ever realized this, is that at the top, it's God. 
to the left, it's man, and to the right, it's woman, or, you know, vice versa. So it's exactly the same. So what does that mean? That means that in a marriage, we exemplify the very identity of God. How beautiful is that? It is our opportunity to truly exemplify to the world, to each other, and to God, to reflect who he is. And to do it in a in not only a physical way, but a spiritual way and in the way of relationship. It is it is so magnificent and it is something that the, the Holy Spirit revealed to me a, a while ago and I'm just I'm still in awe at how important marriage is. And that's why that's why um, marriage needs to be rooted in Christ because when marriage is alone, it's, it's like that triangle. Like I said, if it's just your husband and you, then you don't have a top, you know, the triangle is only one line. Therefore it is vulnerable. It is incredibly unstable and it can fall, you know, at any moment it can fail. And why do we see so much divorce out in the world? Because God is not truly the center. And I know that there are definitely Christian marriages that uh, fail. And, you know, we still wonder, God, why did they fail? You were in the middle of that. And for those, you know, I think every, every single one defers. And the Lord knows the real reason. But I do believe with all of my heart that if there is true Christ, and I say true Christ because I mean like the, the Christ of the Bible, the one who came, who, who resurrected, who died and resurrected again, you know, the true Jesus, not, not half of him or a little bit of him or just the, the bit of him that sounds good. I mean the full Jesus. If he is in the center of your marriage, of your relationship, then yes, you will, your marriage will succeed because you will both. And why is it that in the triangle, you're at the bottom? It's not just because of your relationship, but it's because you're both supposed to look up, right? So when you are connected to Jesus and he is connected to Jesus, you're both connected to each other that much more. And I saw this once somewhere, so I'm not taking credit for it at all. But so if, if you, you're both, so your husband and you are at the bottom of the triangle and he's at the top. Imagine if you get closer to God, so lift, you lift higher to God up the line and your husband is doing the same. What does that mean? The triangle becomes smaller and you are closer to your husband. And the more and the higher and higher that you go, the closer you become to God. But of course, <laughs> the closer you become, you, you come to your husband, your spouse as well. How amazing is that? That's why we need to have such priority in our marriages and in our relationships to always seek God first individually, to allow the other person to seek Christ. Um, I, I don't understand, you know, there are some some marriages, uh, some Christian families I see that where the woman wants to seek God and spend time with him and, and the man is like, oh, stop praying, go make me some food or, oh, uh, all you do all day is just read, go get a job. You know, like, 
and they judge them for spending time with the Lord or the other way around. You know, the husband wants to, to go to church, feels a, a ministry, has, has a heart for the Lord and, and wants to be a missionary or whatever the case may be. And the wife just holds him in and says, no, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You're meant to just be mine. And what happens if either one of us end up going closer to the Lord because at the end of the day if we are, if our relationship with the Lord is real and true even if, if our spouse or partner um, wants us to stay down we will still you know we will still reach for the Lord so God will still lift us higher because he wants us he wants us to be closer to him so let's say that our partner is going higher to God what happens and you remain where you are what happens to your relationship you actually end up being further from each other. So um, he's closer to God. You're still just as far and you're getting further from your husband as well. So that is why it's so dangerous, again, to marry someone who is not on the same level, where you are not equally yoked because your relationship will always be at risk. Um. Okay, so I'm I'm going to end this this podcast here, but I want to there is still so much to talk about when it comes to dating, when it comes to preparation and I'm going to be doing a lot more of these, but it was wonderful to just chat about this topic because I really, really want to encourage everyone listening um, to understand the importance of marriage, to understand the importance of doing it in Jesus, dating in Christ, and the absolute vitality of preparing ourselves beforehand and knowing that we are responsible for choosing our husbands also. We can't just say, God, um, you you do it all and we just sit and you know we don't change we don't work on ourselves and we don't open our minds up to who God may want for us we just think that you know someone will knock at the door and we are ready being ready for marriage is something that only God can determine you know it is not it's not necessarily something that we can say ourselves it's not something that we can just look at people and be like I'm ready for marriage bring it on um, only God knows that, you know, it's the same idea as being ready to, to, to go to heaven, you know, who can determine that? You certainly can't because we want to, to go to heaven today. I certainly do, <laughs> but I know I'm not, I'm not ready because I'm still here. Only Jesus knows when we are truly ready for marriage. And when that readiness does come, you know, your husband will come along also. So I'm just going to pray for you and then we'll, I'll let you go. But thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful time together. Thank you for the grace to talk about something so important as dating, marriage, God, and even singleness. Thank you so, so much for, for my sisters that have listened to this podcast. I pray that you strengthen them. Whatever situation they're in, whether they are dating, whether they are completely single, whether they're looking or whether they're married, I pray that you help them to continue striving, God, to, to meet you in the middle, Lord, to always understand what it is that they need to do and how they can serve further as daughters of Christ. How, Lord Jesus, help us, help us to know how we can prepare because only in you can we do it. 
And I just, I bless everyone who is, who is married, that their marriages continue to grow in you, God, and let them know how to go forward, to grow their marriage, to grow their relationship, and to continue to strive forward in your purpose and ultimate plan. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you all for listening. Have a beautiful rest of your day, and I look forward to our next episode. All right, God bless you guys. Let's be bold and virtuous together in relationships, in dating, and in singleness. Take care. Bye.